Alrighty, everybody. Tampa Bay Developer episode 36. Today we've got Mark and Lisa Turner with Isaiah 117. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. So what exactly is this program you're bringing to the Tampa Bay area, Isaiah 117? So Isaiah 117 House is actually a house, an organization, a nonprofit that was started in Tennessee around 2014, a couple named Rhonda and Corey Paulson, they started going through foster parent training classes. And in that, uh, a lot like Mark and I did, um, and in their procedure of going through all the classes, they went on a little field trip and they came to the child welfare office. And one of the trainers said, Um, This is where the kids come when they're removed from their home and going into foster care. And Rhonda said, excuse me, here in this office, you know, where, where do they sit? Where do they sleep? They really come in this room. And he said, yes, a little girl slept here last night. And she looked around and it's just an old government office, you know, with furniture and it just really broke our heart. Mm. And so they started fostering and a couple years later, it was just kept being laid on her heart when they got their first child. They, the child came to them very dirty, hungry, scared, which is what we've experienced as foster parents too, how the children come to you. Mm-hmm. And it was laid on her heart again. Oh, my gosh. what? Where are they going to go? Where are they coming from? And I can't believe this child has spent time like this. And she coined the phrase, what if there was a home, which is one of our little taglines on Mark's (laughs) T-shirt. What if there was a home that these kids could come to when they're removed on one of their most traumatic days and moments that they could be welcomed into a loving, caring home Mm -hmm. with volunteers that are going to bathe them and give them clean clothes and feed them and let them sleep and take care of them instead of going to sit in a government office. There's, there's so much when you're a kid, a lot of people remember memories you have, right? And a traumatic experience for an adult doesn't have to be traumatic for a kid if there's a situation that's almost blanketed in comfort. Mm-hmm. So although that child is going through this crazy, horrible experience, if they're in a comfortable environment that's comfortable and nice and just, just, just everything's calm and they're hanging out, then maybe they won't remember it as a traumatic experience, but almost just a transition period, right? That's exactly. Adults oftentimes hide things from their children. You know, you, you want to have this blanket of, of comfort for a child. So it's awesome that you guys are going to provide that here in Tampa Bay. So what is the next step for you guys? Um, that's obviously the idea. It's, it almost right. sounds like a franchise in a sense, right? You're bringing right. this idea here to Tampa. What is needed from you guys to make this a reality here? Yeah, no, the way you described it is is exactly right. It, the organization's based out of Tennessee, as Lisa said, but now uh, there are counties uh, across the country that are looking to bring a home uh, to their home county. And in Hillsborough County, there is a tremendous need because there are so many kids in foster care. It's about 3,200 kids in, in foster care um, right now. And every month, somewhere between 40 and 80 kids are removed from their homes. So the need is great. So we started the process. We launched the um, awareness uh, in Tampa back in January, and we've been kind of doing an awareness campaign, going out to speak to groups, uh, getting the opportunity to talk to folks like you, 
uh, to share the, the story and, and really the need that we have here in Hillsborough County. And um, we just had a fundraiser, and now we are in a position where we want to get land uh, mm. to, to build this home. So our top priority right now is to acquire land, uh, whether that's through a donation or an acquisition. Um, but, but what an incredible opportunity for uh, someone who knows of land uh, to be able to, to, to provide it or make it available for uh, us, given the opportunity to serve these children. Absolutely. Does the government have any other sort of a program? And, and is, this, is this a Florida issue? Is it a national issue? Why is there no place a kid can go besides on the floor of some government building? That's a very good question. In Hillsborough County, the news has been bringing up this uh, need for years. They've been exposing the child welfare system. And then when we found out about Isaiah 117, we realized that, oh, this is not just a Hillsborough County issue. This is happening all over the country. These same exact stories. Wow. In every county where there's a house. Is it a funding issue? I mean, why, why wouldn't there be... I guess it would be tricky for the government to just buy a bunch of houses around town to, to, for an in-between kid. It's, it almost sounds like they're not there for long, right? A, a day, maybe a few hours at most? Or, or how, how long is a child typically in this transition period? Well, it could be hours, which is preferred. Uh, right. I mean, the best case scenario is a, you know, when a child gets removed, which is probably the worst day of their life. Um, the best case scenario is they're able to go with another family member, somebody who knows them and loves them and cares for them. In many situations, there's no one available. So the, um, you know, the, the child welfare goes to work on finding a foster family. Mm. And sometimes that can happen quickly. Sometimes it takes a lot longer. And when it takes a lot longer, then, we're, you know, then the, the need is to find a place for them to go. And there's no specific place for them to go other than the offices, as, as Lisa mentioned. The other thing that, that I know Lisa and I just feel passionate about is the people that work uh, in the you know, child welfare um, portion of, uh, of the government. They're amazing people. Mm -hmm. They do amazing work. They are completely overworked. Um, there are so many children that need help, and there's so many cases. And you have these caseworkers who are in charge of these cases, and they are overwhelmed. Yeah. So having a, a house like this, not only is are we able to serve the children when they come, but the other uh, opportunity for the house is to serve the, the caseworkers who are in charge of these kids. So they can come. We have volunteers to play with the kids, take care of them, you know, give them a meal, give them a bath, whatever that is. There's supplies there, mm. uh, but it's also a place for the caseworker to, to sit in an office and make the phone calls and, and, right. and take care of their paperwork and do all those things that it's really hard for them to do when they're taking care of these children. So um, one of the big um, goals and objectives of Isaiah 117 House is to also take care of those caseworkers, support them, let them know they're cared for so they can do their job as well. Where did this passion come from? How did you guys get interested in this subject and then, you know, why go out, you know, on an endeavor like this? Like, how did you guys get into this entire field? Yes, well, about eight years ago. Oh, it's a long story going way we back got then. Time. But <laughs> uh, our first calling would be to become foster parents. And we just felt God calling us to that about eight years ago. And that was a long journey in and of itself, just like Rhonda and Corey Paulson in Tennessee. 
started out as being foster parents and seeing the need and it breaking our heart and just thinking, you know, who else is going to do this if we don't do it? These Mm -hmm. kids need somewhere to go. So that started our foster care journey. And we were foster parents for about six years. The seventh year, we were a little bit in transition um, because we had had some longer-term placements. And while we were taking a little bit of a break, we were just praying about what God would have us do next for these children. We, we cared for them. We loved them. Our heart breaks for the situation they're in. But we had done it for a while. And then we found ourselves in a situation where now we're empty nesting. Mm. So we're not at home a lot. We're traveling. And our lifestyle is just a little bit different now. And in, during that time of prayer, I became made aware of the Isaiah 117 house. Cool story here is that I had met another foster mom at the beach in 2019. We connected out at the beach here, and they were from Indiana. So I actually heard about it through her. We kept in contact, and I had reached out to her to say our little boy that we had last had found an amazing adoptive home, and I was telling her about him, and she was telling me about her foster daughter, that they adopted her, and they were kind of done with fostering, but they were going to move on to volunteering at the Isaiah 117 house. And I said, oh, what is that? And so when I looked it up, I said, oh, Hillsborough County needs this. This is a problem here. This would be amazing. So we started praying about that, and God kept calling us and opening doors to bringing it to Tampa. That's amazing. That's a that's a challenging job. I mean, parenting is challenging. I have a four-month-old, my first oh, baby. Wow. Congratulations. Wow. Thank Congratulations. You. It's been a lot of fun. Um, my heart breaks for single mothers. I was raised basically by a single mother. Um, man, I just didn't have a lot of time with her. And I, I can't imagine having to leave your family as a child because of some sort of a traumatic event. Um, why do children get put in these situations? Typically, what happens in a family that forces Child Protective Services to come in and remove a child? Yeah, well, as you can imagine, a lot of the, comp- you know, a lot of the situations are pretty complex. Um, and for a lot of situations, drugs plays a part. Yeah. Uh, mental health uh, plays a part. Um, and a lot of people that a lot of adults that are responsible as children had tough childhoods growing up. Um, no question about it. Um, but, but, but at the end of the day, it's way more uh, of these situations than there should be. And there, we could talk a long time about there's so much that needs to be done mm-hmm. really some mental health and to support parents and, and on, on the front end and um, help with addictions and all those kind of things on the front end. When it gets to the point where a, a child needs to be removed, then the focus has to be on the child mm-hmm. and, and what can we do to best support the child uh, immediately and, and show them some stability, show them some comfort as, as best as we mm-hmm. can. Um, and that's really what, what this is all about. I, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, we, and, and we have three, you know, uh, adult children right now, but uh, at the time, you know, we had, uh, we still had to believe we had two at home. And when we took, um, we took in a, um, a little boy, um, who had been removed and, you know, I was actually out of town, you know, Lisa, let me know that we were getting a little boy, um, and he was supposed to come earlier in the day, did, did not show up until late that night. And when he showed up, you know, Lisa had mentioned it, 
he'd had a rough day, um, really rough day, and and he hadn't eaten and was tired and everything that goes along just just being a a five year old old little boy, and we found out it was his birthday. So, oh my gosh, you know the the worst day of this little boy's life was on his birthday. You know, you know. <laughs> When you're going to be five years old, you know months ahead what what you're doing for your birthday. Oh yeah, you know you got plans. You know who's coming. You know what you're going to eat. You know the whole thing, and this is the way he, he spent that day, which was incredibly sad. Um, and and now we look at that and say, wow, if if we'd had Isaiah one seventeen house, they could have taken him there, and we could have had a birthday party for right. him. We could have had presents, and you know they could have um, you know it, it at least tried to make a horrible day a little bit better for him. So um, there's so many there's so many uh, stories like that. Um, so being able to at least address that little gap mm-hmm. between when they're removed and when they uh, find a foster family is an opportunity. There's so much help out there for adults <clears throat> addicted to drugs or financial hardship. There, there's so many programs. I feel like it seems like mm-hmm. I've been fortunate enough to not have to use programs like that. Um, but there seems like there's a lot of help. This is such a niche gap. I don't think a lot of people know about, and it's an amazing program. So once the house is built, you find land, you get the house up and running. What's kind of the next steps? I mean, you guys mentioned before we went live, the ideal situation is to have homes all over Hillsborough County mm-hmm. to have availability, no matter where you live, whether it's out in Sefner or here in the city. So what is, what is the scale of this look like? And is it bigger than Hillsborough County? Right now, we're just focused on Hillsborough County and opening up one, the first one in Hillsborough County, Right. get that running smoothly, working with um, the Lead Child Welfare Agency, which is Children's Network. We have partnered with them and just get that running smoothly and that process down pat right. before we expand and do another one. But Hillsborough County is so big, we definitely could use more than one home. Um, but once we get our home up and running, we will definitely have to tr- be training volunteers, get them fingerprinted, background checked, okay. trauma trained. And uh, we have just newly hired a program coordinator. So we will have one full-time program coordinator. We will then be hiring a part-time program coordinator and then an on-call assistant. Amazing. So the calls, uh, as you can imagine, come in at all hours of the night. And so there has to be somebody on call to take the phone call from the CPI or the caseworker to say, is the home available? Can we bring the child there? They would then say yes or no. And then they would call some volunteers, no matter what time of day or night it is. And the volunteers would come and greet them at the house. So it's a process. Right, right. But to build it out, right, you want to have these individual homes that are very comfortable, right? You don't want to have these stoic, large buildings with hundreds of kids at one time. It sounds like the goal is to keep the child as comfortable, as calm, and have a smooth transition to the foster family as possible, right? Yes, exactly. So a part of that is having the smaller homes around the area versus one centralized you know, hospital, big building that all the children feed into. So right. it's kind of a nice, it's kind of a nice thing to, to have it set up that way versus like this institution, you know, this institution feeling. I mean, kids know when they have a doctor appointment, right? It's not fun to go to go right. to the doctor's appointment with all the white bright lights right. and the people yeah. in lab coats. This is not what this is. This is like a 
very nice home. They can have a birthday party. They can take a shower. They can chill out. So I guess after that first home is built, then you'll think about, hey, let's add another one here, another one there, and kind of replicate what you've been doing. That's right. Right. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, There are now four uh, in-process Isaiah 117 homes um, in process in the state of Florida. So there's um, there's one in Sarasota, uh, okay, and, uh, where where you lived. Um, there's two up near Jacksonville and in Duval County and Baker County, um, and and then and then Hillsborough County will be the the fourth one. So, you know, we think that once it starts and there's you know some progress made and hopefully some really positive impact that. It'll, it'll start happening all over the state of Florida. And then where we need multiple homes in, in certain counties, hopefully uh, that will be uh, an opportunity as well. Have you all visited those locations and kind of seen how they've done things? We have. Before we decided to bring it to Hillsborough County, we visited Tennessee and ah. were able to visit about three or four of the homes just to see what they look like and the size and the culture and the feel and um, just how they operate. Yeah. When you're looking for volunteers, is it, it's obviously more than a babysitter, right? You're looking for someone who has some sort of a training, CPR training, whatever that may be. But who, you know, would it be nurses in these positions? Who exactly are you looking for for volunteers? I think a lot of it is just going to be people that have a heart for this uh, ministry and this organization and the kids right. in it. So a lot of them happen to be social workers, teachers. Mm. We have a lot of retired teachers as volunteers now and um, mental health professionals. Those are the people that are actually drawn to the organization in the first place. And I see those will be a lot of the people that will want to volunteer in the home. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. But do you guys have a sort of training with your organization that that teaches them to act in a certain way? You know what I mean? Yes. It, It would be probably tough to have a bunch of people from different backgrounds with different opinions about how to go throughout this process? Yes, and yeah. uh, most of the kids, I probably should say all of the kids that come into care, have trauma. Right. I mean, that's just even being removed from their home on that day is trauma in and of itself. Mm-hmm. So we will have trauma training for the volunteers, and it will be ongoing. There's, there's so much to learn about that. When we were foster parents, we had to do continuing education every year. So I think it was 12 hours. And we, a lot of it you could choose. Some of it was standard, like pool safety, CPR, medications that we had to do every year. But the training that I always picked was the trauma training because every child that came into the home has trauma. And it's just different for every single child. What has happened to them and how it manifests in them and then how it comes out is so different. So you can't have enough training. Mm -hmm. Yeah, every situation is different, right? from horrible, you know, you know, something really, really, really bad happening to something as simple as the parents can't take care of the children for financial reasons. And that's right. man, what a, what a tough situation for a kid to be in. Yeah. That's amazing. You guys are filling the gap. Oh, well, thank you. Um, we spoke on the phone a few weeks ago. You had mentioned that Hillsborough County has the highest rate of children in need of this in the entire state of Florida. Yes. Yeah. It, it's, Kind of, um, kind of mind-boggling. Um, how, what a what a um, what a what a problem it is uh, in, in the state of Florida. The state of Florida itself 
has a tremendous challenge um, and, and a lot of kids in foster care. Hillsborough County has the most kids in foster care across the, the, the entire state of Florida. Wow. So the, the, need, the need for the Isaiah 117 house is big. There's also a huge need for foster families. Mm. Um, there's, a, there's a huge need for volunteers, for case workers, as Lisa was talking about. There's a, there's a big need uh, for involvement and for the, you know, the, the community uh, to get involved. And I think that's one of the things that's been so encouraging that we've seen over the last you know, 10 months is the level of interest that we've seen in, um, in, in this, this problem uh, that we're facing. You know, Lisa and I, are uh, we're originally from the Carolinas, but we lived in Tampa for 28 years. And yeah. we're very proud Tampa and Hillsborough County folks. And we, we, we want to do what's best for, uh, for the children in our county. And we've seen that from so many people that we've met as well. It's a really bad statistic, and it's very surprising, and I don't know that a lot of people know that. When you first told me that, I thought, oh, my gosh, we have to do something to – I mean, those are, those are horrible numbers. That's so many children. I think you mentioned 40 to 60 a month are in need of foster care. That's right. New, new into the system. New you into the system. 40 to 80, roughly, get removed each month, and it just kind of adds to the 3,300 that are in care right now. Have you guys – gotten with the county on this issue it's it's obviously an issue they have the highest numbers in the state are they helping you in any way or are they promoting this what's your relationship with hillsborough county we partnered right away with children's network which is the new lead agency uh, i don't know if you remember before it used to be called eckerd uh, i remember the drugstore <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> same name but it used to be eckerd and about a year and a half ago or has it been two years year and a half, yeah. uh, the new lead agency called Children's Network of Hillsborough came in to um, take over child welfare. So in a lot of states, the Department of Children and Families is in charge of child welfare. So in Florida, they are ultimately in charge, but they um, subcontract child welfare out mm. to an agency, which is called Children's Network. Yeah, And then they have different agencies that comprised of their uh, the workers in the different um, areas. Mm -hmm. So we have partnered with them, which has been a huge blessing to have their support, even though we, they don't fund us, we're privately funded, but they have partnered with us in that they are allowing their workers and their children to come to the house and for volunteers to come in and work with the children. We've also been supported by Department of Children and Families um, statewide up in Tallahassee with Secretary Siobhan Harris. Amazing. Yes. Yeah, I, I would imagine that partnership is very important because for the government to take this whole issue on completely, including the back end of it, foster right. care, I mean, the amount of money it would cost, it's so nice that it does fall on the church and private enterprise and very, very um, nice individuals that – fun projects like this. Can you imagine the uh, the amount of money this this the burden it would cost the government to handle this? They're arguing about who's going to pave what road and are the rays coming to Tampa? Right. This is unfortunately it just goes under the radar. Right. You know, that's and it, and I know it's something they're working on. So what would you pull up here Tyler? So this is the government's um, Children's Network of Hillsborough LLC. So so this is the company that has partnered with Hillsborough County. That is helping you facilitate uh, Isaiah 117 House, right? Yes. 
Okay, amazing. Fantastic. And Children's Network actually has, they have multiple counties across um, the state of Florida. Oh, okay. Um, so they, they, when they, as they came into Hillsborough County, they had great experience uh, with the uh, foster care situation in, in, in the state. Fantastic. And what's the plan and where are you guys at on fundraising right now? How, how are you fundraising and, and kind of what are some things in the future you're going to be doing to raise money? Yeah, so as I mentioned, we started kind of the awareness campaign uh, back in, in January. For, so for you know, the first, call it nine months, it was really about getting the word out. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we received some, some donations. We, we certainly received some support. And then we had a kind of a formal fundraiser uh, in September where um, and it was this fundraiser was really geared towards raising money to buy the land and, and to build the house mm. and uh, it was a it was a, a really great day um, we had tremendous support and it's put us in the position that now we can really say okay now we're in a position to go out and and work on acquiring land um, and then work with builders to to build the home so step one buy the land Step two, uh, partner with, with builders who, who have a heart for this uh, that would like to be a part of it and, um, and, and build the house and, and start uh, serving the children. That's amazing. And the house itself, just kind of like a real estate question, does it have to be commercially zoned or can you just buy a house, house around Tampa and, and set it up this way? It needs to be residential or commercial general. Got it. Okay. Because it is a home, yet nobody will live there full time. Well, they let you do Airbnb and right. neighborhoods. Right. Why, why wouldn't they let you do this? Right. right, right. I mean, it makes complete sense. I guess that makes it easier for y'all, right? If you can do residential, you could simply buy a lot around town and mm-hmm. build a home that would fit your needs. That's exactly right. And I understand that commercial general, you can tell me more, is a little more flexible. Oh, yeah. To be able to do more. But the problem with that is it's a little bit tricky to find commercial general there's certainly more residential lots around the city than there is commercial and commercial oftentimes is a little bit more expensive okay so if you found a, a resident just in the in a neighborhood and around tampa whether it was tampa heights seminole heights or down in south tampa you could get a residential lot for kind of a good price it's a good market to buy something like that and then you just build a regular home it kind of takes off the table some of the commercial aspect to this right especially since it it really sounds like would have maybe five children at once in each home so it's not this large-scale thing I I don't know that you would have too much trouble finding land I mean what what is the vision right if you could say if you could cherry-pick exactly what you're looking for what is that the the if we could if we could lay it right out there yeah it would be someone calling us and say hey we have this land that's very accessible in Tampa because people would be coming all across yeah you know Right along I-275 from West Tampa area, maybe up to university, we have a, uh, a land that's accessible and, and the right zone, um, and we'd love to partner with you to, to, to build this house. That would be ideal. Um, you know, ultimately, as we said, you, you could really look across all of Hillsborough County, um, but we, we're kind of thinking that in an ideal world, it would be accessible to all the counties. So I-70, the I-275 corridor would be would be ideal, uh, but we're not limited to that. Right. I mean, this area, we're in Ybor City, right? right. So the I-4, you have I-75 right here, 275. Like this, to me, is the perfect it's position. Fantastic. It'd be Central fantastic. to everything. Right. You can get here. You can basically be here in 45 minutes all around the entire county. Right. Exactly. 
That's awesome. And then if you do not purchase land, is there another route to take? Could you, we mentioned like you could refurbish a house. That's right. And that's not ideal because you couldn't build exactly what you want, but I would imagine it would be easier to find a house that someone would donate. I don't know. Yeah, possibly. We're absolutely open to that. Yeah. We, um, from, from the experiences that we've gathered from other, you know, folks have done this in other counties, um, the smoothest way it, it actually has been to get the land and then build the house. Oh, interesting. Uh, the, the, the way that, um, that it's laid out. Um, and there's, you know, we have several different plans that do exactly what you said. Kind of, it's, it's um, uh, you know, small enough to not feel too big for, you know, a group of kids that are coming in from a tough situation. It feels homey. Um, but it's, it's big enough uh, to, to get done what we need to get done. Um, if, if there was another, if there was a home that somebody wanted, certainly if somebody wanted to donate it, uh, we would absolutely mm-hmm. be open to that and look for ways to, to make it work that way. So we're, we're in a fortunate position that we're, we can be pretty flexible right now. Uh, but we're very focused now on, um, on getting a lot mm-hmm. and, and, and moving forward with the home. One of the things that we've been doing, you know, cause, cause you could say, okay, so if you don't have the house built, then what are your volunteers doing right now? Maybe on at least maybe you could kind of share what the volunteers are up to right now. While the home is being built and while we're looking for land, our volunteers are showing caseworkers and CPIs appreciation. So that's the second part of our mission. The first part is to reduce the trauma for the child. The second part of the mission is to come alongside the caseworkers and the CPIs, show them appreciation. Mm. And um, another one of our little taglines is love, you're not alone. So that goes for the child for the caseworker and for the foster family and just to ease that transition Mm -hmm. for the foster family. So before the home is open, we are doing appreciation for caseworkers and CPIs once a month. Uh, We might just bring some lunch to their office or some breakfast goodies, um, little goodie bags, just so they know that we're coming alongside them. We are supporting them. We see how hard their work is and we want to ease their burden on that. Um, we're also serving the children in a way that are already in the offices. So when the children move, they're sitting in the offices and they need things. Mm-hmm. So some of the agencies have said, hey, you know, we really are running out of our toothbrushes. Um, when kids come in, they need hygiene items because they're coming in and they're dirty and they have to go to school the next day. And that really just, you know, shows their the, the dignity, you mm-hmm. know, that, they, that they've that they lost in this process. And they come in with their head down. They're not feeling good about themselves. Mm-hmm. So they need a lot of hygiene items to be able to freshen oh up. I would imagine so. Yeah. So our volunteers are bringing those into the offices. How important and, is that relationship with the caseworkers? And and forgive me, I don't, I don't obviously know this industry and how the whole process works, but... Do you need to provide incentives to caseworkers to bring the children to the Isaiah House, or are, are they are they forced to come by the government? How exactly does that work? Okay, I wouldn't call them incentives, right. <laughs> but I would like to think once they learn about us, this is where they'll want to come. Well, but they would need to choose to, to bring them yes, to you right. versus their office or that's right. elsewhere, correct? Exactly. So right. what we're doing now is kind of, letting them know about our brand so they recognize, oh, I know about the Isaiah 117 house. I want to go there. I can get my favorite coffee, and I get a meal when I go there. Incentives, exactly. Yes, yes. yes. 
Yes. So I think that by the time the house is built, we hope to have every agency and caseworker and CPI know about us. Mm. Clearly, they will do the most convenient thing. Right. So if the office is closer or if they just have a very short window of where the child will be with them. Say they are right. going to go to grandma's house and it's closer to where they've been removed from and they have an hour. Right. Maybe it's not convenient to come to the house. That's fine. There's so many situations, right? Every time a child is removed, it's, it's different. You know, some children do have grandma down the street and maybe that's right. the best option. Right. You're just providing an amazingly available space where it sounds like everyone's comfortable. The caseworker has what they need. They're yes. comfortable. The child is comfortable. But it's not like you have to come here. It's, it's, That's right. It's, it almost sounds like you're providing another solution, and the overarching goal is just, hey, the, the child's comfort. W- whatever works for them. Exactly. Grandma, the child is the first priority. Yep. Overall. Whatever is best for them. You know, the other thing, too, uh, and Lisa said, the mission, it's, it's the children first and reduce trauma. And then second, it's the, the caseworkers. Uh, and then the third uh, group is the foster family. And uh, ultimately, the, the plan would be they would be in the house for a while, and then they would find a foster family. And so this is also a place for the foster family to come to, to, to meet the child. And the, the way we want to support them, we're going to have, we're going to have supplies for the foster family. So if the foster family comes and, and they're picking up a two-year-old and they don't have a car seat. We'll have car seats. Mm. We'll have clothes. We'll have, you know, hygiene items like Lisa was talking about. So, because the way it happens and we've been there, all of a sudden, you know, you're going about your day, you get a phone call. Hey, we've got a, we've got a four-year-old little boy. Can you take him? And you're like, you start thinking, okay, what do I have here? What, you know, what do I, what do I need? Um, and for most people, they got to, you know, run, pick up whatever they need for a four-year-old because uh, they're probably not going to come with anything. So this will be a place when they come get picked up from the Isaiah 117 house, there will be supplies for them so they don't have to go to Target or Walmart right. or whatever to pick those items. And up. why wouldn't a foster family know what to get? Are, are you almost sent a child, you know, this age and this is what they need like that? It doesn't sound like a foster family has a lot of time to prepare. They really don't. And, and some foster families would say, hey, I'll take any child. Right. It can be a baby. It can be six-year-old, you know, it could be a 10-year-old, um, it could be a 14-year-old. And if, especially if you're, if you're open to anyone like that, it's probably impossible to be completely prepared for every, you know, every age and, and, and every situation. So it's a, um, it is usually you get that call and you're like, okay, it's, it's on and we got to get, we need this, this, you know, you, you probably had other stuff going on that day. You got to, you know, rearrange your plans. So, we want to take care of the, the, the children first and the caseworkers, but we also want to make the transition easier for the foster family. That makes sense. That makes sense. What was y'all's, um, you mentioned you um, had a foster child for, I think you said seven years, right? One of them? No, well, not one for seven years. Oh, not one. <laughs> seven years. It, within seven years, we had a few. Yeah. Yes. W- what was your experience? Are there things you learned from that that you're going to apply to this new endeavor? Yes. Well, and that's one reason why we felt so called to bring this to Hillsborough County is that every time a child came into our home, we saw the same thing. And it was happening in all these homes in Tennessee and other states, too, that they would come dirty and scared and Mm -hmm. hungry and with nothing of their own. 
So it was just the Isaiah 117 house was just the perfect fit to fill that gap. Um, but yeah, I mean, we had, we had a few come, um, with, uh, a little bit and, and not, not too scared, like right. in an okay state of mind, right. but we definitely had a few come that were, um, I would say you could see the trauma behavior immediately, mm, whether right. that was, um, just being very withdrawn and, um, scared and, but we, we had a few fun, sassy ones immediately. <laughs> yeah. I, I would imagine some children, depending on how old they are, might be thankful to be removed from their toxic and right. just horrible situation they're in. They're thankful to have this new family that loves them and you know, wants that, to take care of that's them. That's an interesting thought because I think a lot of people do, Rhonda and myself, and initially you think, oh, yay, removal day. Yay, we're removing them from this horrible situation, this abusive situation or any kind of neglect. I mean, they're starving. They haven't had food in two days. But it, it's weird. Ultimately, they want to be with mom and dad. Mm. They want to be back in their home. They don't care how nice your home is, how nice these clothes are. I mean, maybe in the moment, mm -hmm. they're like, oh, cool, new shoes. Right. But ultimately, they want to go back to their parents. Mm -hmm. And so the goal in foster care is actually reunification. In every case, that's the goal. So we've worked with biological parents to try to get their children back. And I love all the preventative services that the system offers and the work that we've done and, and foster parents do to try to make that happen. But ultimately, sometimes, a lot of times, it just doesn't. Well, it's up to no one but those biological parents to make whatever changes are necessary to get the kids back, right? Right. That's right. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. So that's always the goal, is to get them back with the parents. In your situation, have you sent foster kids back to their own parents? Well, the, the longer-term placements that we had uh, went into si different situations. One, Lisa had mentioned, the little boy got adopted by an amazing family, and he's doing great. Um, and then we also had a little a girl who did not go back directly with her parents, but went with another family member and, okay, and is doing well. Mm -hmm. But there have been some that we've had for shorter-term uh, placements that have uh, been able to go back with their parents. And it's a, you know, it's hard to imagine, um, you know, most of the time those parents want them back. Mm. Um, and, and, and generally they're given a plan. Here's what, what you have to do uh, to be able to be reunified. And it's, um, you know, sometimes it works out and, and sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes it's absolutely the right thing mm -hmm. for that child not to go back with their, with their parents. But the, but the goal is from the start, hey, let's give them every opportunity to do you know, what they can to, to get their kids back. It's kind of a fine line. When we had my baby, um, they wanted to give him <clears throat> this glucose medication because his blood sugar was low. It's kind of a long story, but they mentioned Child Protective Services if we didn't abide by what they wanted. So I would imagine there's a fine line. Maybe sometimes it's not that the parents are bad people. They just get caught in a certain situation where CPS has to come in and remove the children, and maybe they can get back with the biological parents in weeks? I mean, what's the typical timeline for these children? I guess everyone's different. It's kind of hard to answer. It's very hard to answer. It's so different. But yeah. unfortunately, once the kids are in the system, it just takes a long time. Mm. Sometimes maybe if they just needed proper housing, you know, if they were removed because 
they needed a better space, mm-hmm. and the agencies were able to help them find housing. I do think they have a lot of good services to offer the parents. They just have to be willing to do it, to do what they've been asked to do. Yeah, Find the housing, find a job, whatever it takes. And so ultimately, it's up to them. Man, there's so much. I mean, <clears throat> when you watch the you know national TV, large news channels, and you see stuff going on around the country with drug addiction and homelessness, it, it seems in a lot of ways that situations are getting worse. Mm-hmm. There's just this mass influx of bad situations. And a lot of those people that have children, I imagine, end up in situations like we're talking about. 3,000 plus here in Hillsborough County. Do you know the state numbers? How many children are in this situation in the state of Florida? I mean, if, if you could try to look that up, if Hillsborough County is a few thousand, and that's one county in Florida, think about this on a state level, on a national level. I mean, this is a huge issue. Um, you know, what? one thing too, uh, Garrett, all of this was exacerbated by COVID because you had, you know, the, you had months where, Kids weren't going to school regularly. Um, they weren't out and about. So if there were issues at home, you, you, you may have not seen them. There wasn't a teacher to see, you know, a child that right. had clearly been uh, neglected or, or abused or, or a coach or, or, or those types of things. So a lot of this um, coming out of COVID, there were a lot of kids that were in really tough spots that, mm. that really kind of poured a lot more into this foster care system as, as we came out of COVID. So 24,000 children in foster care in Florida. This is rate per 100,000. Well, it can't be 24,000 out of 100,000. That's probably total. Wow, that's a lot of children. I really feel for the parents, too, because I just read a story the other day where some parents left some very young children home all day because they had to go to work. They just had to go to work to pay for their kids and survive. And they didn't have any family or friends or anybody to leave the kids with. So I think that if they would just take advantage of the resources that the state is trying to offer them, Mm -hmm. that it might get a little better. Well, you guys kind of mentioned the first part of this process has been educating the public and getting the word out there. It almost sounds like that is an issue that if it was solved, a lot more children and parents would get help. Like, what are the services available for people that are in need across the board, whether it's financial services or fixing your home up? I mean, there's a lot of programs out there that people need to know about. People should always understand there is help. Right. Whether it's through the government or through a neighborhood or through a church, there's usually always an outlet to go to to find help. That's right. Maybe share a little bit about the Foster Care Alliance and uh, kind of what what they do and some of the services that that they Mm -hmm. provide. There is a Hillsborough County Foster Care and Adoption Alliance that brings together all the people involved in the welfare system. And it's just a way, a monthly meeting where they can share information and resources um, just to connect one another. So if people are having an issue, they know who to go to. And there are a lot of organizations that are out there to help, especially preventative. And Children's Network is actually having a lot of intensive family services that they bring in to homes that have been, maybe they've been called and the CPIs have been out there 
and they know, okay, you're on the watch list here. We're, um, we know you need help. Mm. Here are some resources. So they're out there giving the resources to these families to be able to say, hey, let's see if we can work with you so we don't have to remove your children. Yeah, getting the 3,200 number down is the ultimate goal, right? right? The goal is to not have this situation at all and not have the need. So stopping it in the beginning and those preventative services, I would imagine, are huge. Yes. So I noticed you guys are doing a, or maybe you've already done a car wash fundraiser, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What other type of fundraisers in the future do we have going on that we could promote for you? Okay, well, great. Well, that was actually Because that's a fun one, right? That was so fun. That was done by a bunch of young guys who own car detailing services. And um, one of them, uh, Josia and Cassiano, rallied these other uh, detailing places like TYD and Drip and Elite and got them together, got them all fired up to give back to their community. It was amazing. And so they all came and they all worked together and they gave all the proceeds to Isaiah 117. So Amazing. it wasn't our fundraiser. It was theirs. They organized it. They came up with the idea. And they gave all the proceeds to Isaiah 117. And they were so fired up and so proud of themselves. Well, this is such a great cause to get fired up about. Yeah. So you, it was a free car wash. People would donate whatever they kind of had. and got Right. And I think, I think they raised around $1,600 for us. Amazing. In, in just three hours. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think they, they said they want to do it. Once a quarter. Once a quarter? Yeah. That's it's, it's funny. There's, there's been all these creative things that uh, the folks have done. Kids have done these lemonade stands, uh, which is kind of a, kind of a trademark of the Isaiah 117 house as a, as a fundraiser to get kids involved. So we've had numerous kids. You, one of the, the stories you might have read that was covered by the, the local news was one of the lemonade stands that was done. There you go. Yeah. Um, and then and it obviously it raises a lot of awareness um, and also raises some funds, but um, it's been really cool to see kids and you know high school kids and young kids and young adults uh, get involved uh, in in unique ways like like the lemonade stands. I Definitely. think that kids helping kids is just so great because they actually can relate to a kid not having a meal mm-hmm. or not having new shoes to go to school on the first day. You know, kids around here, they, they've got it made, and they've got their favorite meal on their birthday, and what are you doing for your birthday party, and mm-hmm. the shoes, and the, everything that they have here is a wealthy area, and so I think when they hear about the stories of kids being away from their parents, and ha- not having their favorite lovey with them, or walking into school the next day with clothes on them that don't belong to them, or too small, and it really hits home with them, and they want to help. Definitely. Yeah, children know. Children know. I mean, I, I remember growing up, and you would notice a kid that had a dirty shoe, and you would think, I wonder what their situation is. Kids understand. Kids are smart. Yeah. Um, so I think what we'll do is, and <clears throat> Tyler, can't you on Instagram do a fundraiser on a post, on a profile? I think, I think so. I think that's how Cassianos did his. Is it? Oh, really? He had a little fundraiser like tab on Instagram. On his, mm-hmm. What we'll do is when we post this, we'll have a fundraiser for the episode, so oh, people can donate oh, to the cool. cause. Very nice. Thank you. And then you all so the proceeds that's will awesome. go to your cause. Yeah, I, that's so the much. least we could do. Thank the, you. Again, this is something I had no idea about. I mean, I was shocked to hear first of all about the issue. I thought 
a child would be removed from the home and then it was an immediate transition to a foster family or to the government's care and they were good to go. I didn't know that they would have to sleep on a cot or on a floor in some office. I mean, what a horrible thing. That, that should not happen at all. So this is a cause I can definitely get behind. And the fact that Hillsborough County has the highest number, that's not good. Right. We're number one in a lot of things. That's not something we want to no. be number one. In. <laughs> so right. we need to change that. So anything we can do to help. Um, what else is on here about promotion? We have a book, it looks like almost, that, that tells Rhonda's story and her journey through this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I love the book, too, because it's not just about God's story with Isaiah 117, but it talks about how God is inviting you in to what he's doing. So it doesn't have to be Isaiah 117. So it's a very inspiring book just to be able to listen to what God's asking you to do and giving you the courage to say yes to it. So not just to Isaiah 117, but to what he's calling you to do. Oh, it's very inspiring. Yeah, wow, amazing. And the name is He's Inviting Us In. Yes. Rhonda Paulson, beautiful. Um, what's the growth look like for Isaiah 117? When did she start it? When did it come to Florida? And then you mentioned Jacksonville has a couple, Sarasota has one. What's the growth look like? Um, she came up with this idea, uh, it was laid on her heart in 2014, but the first home did not open until 2017. So this is less than a decade. Yes. That's right. Wow. Yes. And then it first came to Florida, I believe in 2019 was Duval County and then Baker County right beside there kicked off right after that. But interestingly enough, Baker County is going to have the first house open. They're about to finish their home, and Duval is just breaking ground. So it just depends on who gets land. Right, yeah. What the timing of the process and everything. So we're looking forward to seeing that Baker County home open and going to visit that home and seeing how it works in Florida. What an inspiring thing to to step into that building and, you know, you guys you guys are on the horizon of of finding land and breaking ground and to see it in real life. It's going to feel incredible. Yes, we are not excited about why we have to do this, but we're super excited that because the need exists, and it's just we live in a broken world. It's not going to change us. Excited to be able to fill in that gap and offer them this. That's an important point. We live in a broken world. I think the idea that that number would reach zero, you know, that would be a dream, right, Mm -hmm. that no children would have to go through this, but because the need exists. Right. You guys feel called to help and 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 get these children in homes where they can feel comfortable. It's That's amazing. Right. I really appreciate you guys doing that. Oh, no. thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting us share the story and and for having us today. Absolutely. If people want to follow along on your journey and and find you guys, whether it's a website or on social media, where can they do that? Uh, Tyler, you want to help me out here? Yeah. <laughs> Isaiah one seventeen yeah. House Hillsborough, Florida. I guess you call that the handle. And here's <laughs> what we'll, here's what we'll do too. You guys have a link tree which has merchandise and and some PR and social media website. We'll put that on the Instagram when the episode releases next Friday. What I don't know the date. Do you know the date next Friday? October. Whatever Continue. people people listening will 14th, know. Fourteenth, maybe. Yeah. So yeah. so we'll the, the have thir- it on 13th. there. Thirteenth. Friday the thirteenth. Oh yeah. Ooh. Interesting. <laughs> it's gonna be a lucky Friday. That's gonna be a lucky one. 
So we'll put that on there. People can Thank find you. you guys. Um, there's a book. There's a website. Everyone check this out. This is an extremely noble cause. And Mark and Lisa, thank you guys again for joining me and sharing your story. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Garrett. Appreciate it. All righty. All right. That's it. Bye, everybody.